Hello, beautiful beings, and welcome to the Stefan Eli podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm here. My name is Stefan Eli. I'm reporting live from planet Earth. I'm in the north of Iceland right now, in my hometown of Akureyri. I just had a dope workout this morning, moving my body, getting that energy flowing through the physical system. Then I had a nice session in the sauna, a cold plunge, did some pranayama, breath work. So I'm feeling fresh, I'm feeling pumped for this new week. Excited to see what blessings and lessons are going to find me this week. And something I've been practicing now is opening up to unexpected blessings in life. Allowing life to surprise you and being ready to receive those unexpected blessings. Because, you know, we can't always conceive of how the universe or how life is going to play out and what it's going to send our way. But opening ourselves up to say, okay, maybe I don't even know as well as the universe what's best for me. And so I'm going to let the universe surprise me and when we start to open up to that field and to that energy we start to see opportunities and unexpected uh, blessings good things come up in our lives and it's very fun being surprised so allow yourself to open up to that energy that's something I've been tuning into and I know right now it's a time of transition and it's a time of change for a lot of us and that can bring up a lot of things that aren't always easy to deal with. It might be some pain that you're going through, some anxiety or struggle or stress. And I just want to remind you to be kind to yourself, show yourself compassion. Don't be too hard on yourself. Be patient. Sometimes... We don't understand why we have to go through difficulties, but just like I said earlier, life has a bigger vision and can hold a greater perspective than our limited human mind often can. And so sometimes the things that seem like such unnecessary challenges or difficulties in our experience are actually life preparing us for the greatest experiences of our lives and that's a perspective I really enjoy holding is one of seeing everything as blessings even the difficult things that it's all blessings in disguise that we can't ever know exactly how things will unfold and sometimes what looks like a curse in this moment or uh, something that we would rather not experience is actually the catalyst or the thing leading to a beautiful opportunity or a beautiful opening or a beautiful lesson that we never might have encountered if it weren't for going through that difficulty. And, you know, the same goes for things that look like they're very good in the moment. They might lead to something very difficult. But the question just is, what perspective do you want to hold do you want to choose to see the good in everything or the bad in everything? And nothing is inherently good or bad because 
like I said, good things can lead to bad things, bad things can lead to good things. It can all, you know, be classified and interpreted from so many different vantage points. And what one person might see as a good thing, another might see as bad. And so it's up to each and every one of us to choose that perspective that we want to hold. And the one that I've found serves me the most, serves me the best is to see everything as a blessing in disguise. And that brings so much peace into your being because then you're not even stressing as much about the things that might be unpleasant in the moment or things that you'd rather not be experiencing or dealing with because you trust in life that it knows what's best for you and that is working with you, that it's giving you those lessons because they're going to assist you on the path and then you can find deep peace in the process and you know sometimes we don't allow ourselves to enjoy the process in this moment because we think that something has to change for us to be able to enjoy it you know when I only get this then I'll enjoy it you know when I only get this amount of money when I only get this romantic partner into my life when I only can lose these kilograms <clears throat> and it's good to have goals that we aspire to and to keep on growing and expanding and evolving towards a more holistically healthy and aligned being but if we continue always placing our joy and happiness somewhere in front of us it's only going to be a perpetuating cycle of the same thing. It's going to continue showing up even when we get those things that we desired because then we're just going to be looking out for the next thing. And, you know, the lesson in this is to enjoy the present moment for what it is, even though it's not 100% like you would most want it. If you're robbing yourself of your joy because of that, you really are going to continue robbing yourself of your joy until you realize that the present moment is always all you got you know it's the funny thing about life that it's not coming from anywhere and it's not going anywhere you know always when you tune in is here and now like the famous quote tomorrow never comes because it's always today it's always here and it's always now so being here now and allowing yourself to experience joy now is an incredibly powerful practice that's really gonna it really transforms your life and brings a greater sense of fulfillment and and joy and love into your life it reminds me of a quote from alan watts where he was saying the purpose of a dance is not to get to a specific point on the dance floor where you can say, we finally completed the dance or we got to that point or you stop at that point. But the purpose of the dance is the dance itself. And the same applies to life. You know, it's not when you get to there or when you achieve this thing. You know, the purpose of the life is that flow, is that movement, is that journey that we're always on. The same goes for music, you know, the purpose of a song or of a composition isn't the final note or the end, you know, shabam, when it finally hits the last, uh, 
the tone in the end, you know, the purpose of the music is the music itself. You're not in there waiting for that final moment. You're enjoying the process of the music itself. And when we can take that perspective into life, you know, we really start seeing beautiful transformations where we surrender those attachments to certain outcomes or to those points. Because, you know, in truth, those points never arrive. They never do. It's always here and now. And if you're not arriving in in this moment, you know, it's only going to, the lesson's going to continue coming to you until you realize that this moment is all that we got. So not keeping yourself away from love and joy in this moment. So today on this episode, I want to tune in to a, I think an interesting approach that's going to be fun. I got some of my old journals and notes and, you know, different things that I've written throughout the years here in front of me, both from books and lectures and thoughts that I've had on my own. And, you know, a lot of this is relating to philosophy, to plant medicine and psychedelics, to um, art and artistry consciousness, love, spirituality, health. And so on this episode, I want to just dive in and open up these books and share some of these ideas and and perspectives with you in hopes of them being able to relate to your own life experience and assist you in opening up to deeper connection to life and love. Because these things have helped me tremendously on the path. And I'm going to start here with the first thing in one of my books. Which is out of one of the books that really, really changed my life. And that's a book called Conversations with God. These points that I'm going to read are actually from the fourth book. Which was called Awaken the Species all about how we as a species, as humanity, can really take the next steps in our evolution if we want to continue on as a you know, species that doesn't go ahead and destroy itself or you know, spin itself down into extinction. So he gave in that book, it's a book that's actually channeled through. The author's name is Neil Donald Walsh, but... He actually channels the text from God. And, you know, people can have their own perspectives or ideas about that. But judging by the profound insight and the beautiful, beautiful teachings of these books, I couldn't imagine it coming from anywhere else than source itself. So here are five keys from God. Uh for the process of personal evolution. So key number one, share your process. He says here, share openly and authentically with those whose lives you touch, both your struggles and your progress on the path of full awakening. The choice to do so is both empowering and emancipating 
unshackling in an amazing way the will within to express the divinity that is yours and liberating in others their own desire and ability to also do so. So he's saying share your process. Number two, create a reason. The challenges on the path you have chosen may on more than one day hardly seem worth confronting unless you accord them with greater meaning than simply the triumph over them. The question must be asked, why? Then your answer must be given. I tell you this, your path is not without purpose in the heavens. For every soul which would grow to know in its experience what it has already understood in its awareness serves not only its own agenda but the superconscious will of the species even as its individual progress is attained for it shall leave in the wake of its ad- advancements the ladders and stepping stones by which those who follow may do so ever more rapidly so create a reason find a purpose that was number two Three, express gratitude. This is the most powerful tool you could be given. Gratitude can be a selected energy and not merely an autonomic response. When one actively chooses to be grateful for everything presenting itself in one's life, and I do mean everything, it sets up an energetic signature that washes over and impacts the energy of whatever is now arising. This can transmortify, (laughs) defined as to transform, especially in a surprising or magical way, the presentation itself to say nothing of one's entire life. So express gratitude. And I feel like that was relating to what I was saying about seeing everything as blessings when he said express gratitude for everything that's presenting itself in one's life. Four, choose a state of being. Do this in advance of everything you know you are going to think, say, or do. Life has very little to do with what you are doing and very much to do with what you are being while you're doing it. The surprising thing about this is that though through pure intention, beingness is transformed from a reaction to a creation. It is no longer something that arises out of experience, but something that you put into an experience. And so number five, go with the soul. Most often you respond to whatever is happening in your life, whether it is an illness, a disappointment, a happy surprise, whatever it might be, from the logical center of your mind. You analyze the data that your mind holds regarding the experience at hand, and that is the place from which your reaction emerges. It is possible for you to cultivate the ability to respond from the wisdom center of your soul. Here, the data regarding the experience at hand is unlimited and expansive and includes considerations and understandings that may not have been even conceived of in the mind. The soul is the place which everything you know is already integrated and simply awaits the outward expression of that. So take a moment whenever anything is confronting you 
something that you call good news or something that you call bad news and instruct your mind. Then notice your response emerge without thinking, producing a spontaneous demonstration of your soul's wisdom and awareness. So there you have it. Those were five keys from God on the process of personal evolution. And so I want to go through them a little bit. The first one was sharing your process. And this is something I feel like a lot of us have a little bit of a difficult time with. Uh, both with sharing the good and the bad. You know, a lot of us are afraid that we take up too much space or we don't want to, you know, interrupt people or we don't want to be too, what shall I say? Yeah, a lot of us just are afraid of sharing our process from a fear of being judged, I think. I think that probably is the main reason but the thing is, when you openly and authentically share your process, you give other people an opportunity to relate. And that's going to be something that assists both you and those other people. Because, you know, we're all going through very similar things, even though they might manifest in different ways in our lives. The core of it is very similar in the human experience. And to see other people that are going through something and sharing it with you, both the ups and the downs, allows us to feel like we're in this together, like feeling that we're not alone. And that's something so powerful. And a lot of the time we're alone, you know, with our thoughts and with our experience and we're not sharing them with anyone and that can built up as such a huge burden inside of us when we don't share it so sharing those things is also liberating us in such a way because you're taking down that barrier of fear that's that you think you're trying to protect yourself with by not sharing but what you're actually doing is creating more fear and more suffering within yourself and so taking that barrier down and letting other people see you you know, hey, this is what I'm actually going through. You know, these are good things and this is what I'm struggling with. And allowing people to see you in that way, you know, is one of the core human drives or the desires of human beings is just that wanting to be seen. And so allowing yourself to be seen and sharing your process is incredibly powerful. And so the number two key that he shared here was create a reason and so that's really connecting to your purpose you know if you don't have a purpose if you don't have a reason or a why behind what you're why you're doing what you're doing it's going to be very hard to keep motivated or to feel energized and enthusiastic about pursuing those dreams and really creating the experience of life that you want so when you can find the why and find the purpose, you know, why is it that you're doing all of this? You can really, it, it becomes way easier to follow through and be consistent and committed to actually birthing that into life. And that can be all sorts of different things, whether it's, you know, creating your art or sharing your wisdom or getting in shape or, you know, creating better relationships in your life to your family or your friends or your uh, intimate partner, whatever it is. 
creating a reason why you're doing it. Because a lot of us, you know, we don't have a why and then we're just moving in a direction that we don't even know where we're wanting to go. You know, we're just doing things because someone told us that it's supposed to, that is what we're supposed to be doing, but we don't even know why we're doing it. And that then often leads to a midlife crisis when people have been living without a why for maybe a few decades, you know, let's say you're 50 years old and then it hits you that you never knew why you were doing what you were doing. You just followed what the world presented you with, but it wasn't what you truly wanted in your life. And, you know, we come into this experience of physical manifestation of being human beings in this physical earth domain to experience that creative freedom of expressing ourselves and creating the life that we want to live. And of course, you know, there's layers to it. We are creating an experience personally, but then also we're creating an experience within a community and collectively as nations and as a species and as a planet. And so there's many factors and many levels in it, but we are here together to curate and craft and create the experience that we most desire the one that we think is going to be the highest experience for ourselves and so if you're doing things that aren't in alignment with the experience that you want to create maybe you need to connect deeper to your why you know why are you doing those things and then when you get a purpose you know he says create a reason then you can start seeing the action steps or seeing the things that are going to assist you in creating that. And so number three is express gratitude. And this is an incredibly powerful one that I said earlier relates in a way to what I said about seeing everything as a blessing in disguise. You know, a blessing is something that you can be grateful for because you know that it's something that's doing you good and something that's bringing you into deeper alignment and into deeper joy and is assisting you on your path. And he says here, you know, that gratitude doesn't have to be an automatic response to a situation. It can be a chosen vibration. And that's really, you know, relating to stepping out of this responsive, almost victim behavior of where life is happening to you and then you're just there responding or being thrown around by whatever is happening but rather stepping into the role of a conscious creator where you can choose a state of being and choose an attitude towards the things in your life so you're not at the mercy of whatever comes to you and you're only grateful if you know something specific happens for you and if something else happens you're not grateful you know then you're they're being tossed and turned around in the wind of life, but stepping into your role as a powerful being and seeing you can choose a, se- choose a state of being and choosing to radiate out gratitude. Uh, so it's, he says here, it's an energetic signature that washes over and impacts the energy of whatever is now arising. And this can trans more transmodrify i think is the word (laughs) transmodrify which is meaning to transform especially in a surprising or magical way and i said earlier about opening up to allowing 
good surprises in your life and unexpected blessings to come into your life. And also connecting to the magic of life, you know, seeing that this is a magical experience, you know, none of us really understand anything about what's going on, you know, how this thing works, what this life is. And when you really start getting into it, you know, you start to see that it's pure magic. A lot of us have maybe been caught up in a scientific materialist uh, paradigm that's been limiting the expression of magic in our lives. But the, the truth is, you know, this experience is wilder than anyone could ever conceive of and ever understand. And it's so magical in so many ways. And we just have to open up to that vibration and open up to the frequency of that magic. And we can do that through gratitude. So consciously choosing to hold the vibration of gratitude is something that I've practiced a lot myself. You know, a lot of people now are starting to be aware of practicing gratitude, for example, as a morning ritual, you know, focusing on things that you're grateful in your life. And then you see that when you start to focus on the things that you're grateful for, you attract to you more things to be grateful for. So it's a funny dynamic that comes to play. You know, the more you focus on how good it is, the better it gets. <laughs> Uh, that's something I used to say with my friend Oliver back in Guatemala when we were there living together in uh, San Marcos, Lake Atitlan. We were always saying that the more you focus on how good it is, the better it gets. And it's really true, you know, when you start directing your focus towards the good things, you really energize that in your life. And uh, so where you direct your attention is where you direct your energy. So where you're, you know, what you're keeping in focus, you're energizing and that means that it's going to attract more and more and more of the same to it. You know, you can do a practice which is called the rampage of appreciation where you start to name things that you're grateful for. And I think I've shared this on the podcast actually before, but it's you start bringing into awareness things that you're grateful for. And it can be super simple to start with. You know, I'm grateful that I have food on my plate. I'm grateful that I have ears that can hear. I have a mouth that can taste. I have eyes that can see the world. I'm grateful that I have a bed to sleep in, a roof over my head. I'm grateful for all of the people in my life that support me and inspire me. And when you keep on going like this, you start to see more and more things to be grateful for coming your way. You know, I'm grateful for all of the teachers that I have access to. I'm grateful for all of the books that I can read and all of the beautiful information that enhances my life. I'm grateful for all of the incredible food around me that I can taste. I'm grateful for the internet that I can connect to people all over the world. And, you know, when you start going, it just starts attracting more and more of it to you. You know, we've all seen it in the flipped polarity of a negative thought loop. When you start going down a negative one, that it starts to, starts attracting more and more negative thoughts to it until you're down in such a deep spiral that you can't see anything other than negativity. And that can start with just one thought. But the same applies to gratitude and to the positive vibration that you can consciously choose to start directing your focus there. And then you can have an upward spiral of, you know, being so immersed in gratitude that you can't see anything else. 
So the fourth one he shared was choose a state of being. And that's really something that I was relating to in there as well. But he says, do this in advance of anything you know that you're going to think, say or do. Life has very little to do with what you're doing and very much to do with what you are being while you're doing it. And so, yeah, this is just incredible truth, you know. <laughs> I'm always blown away when I drop into this wisdom, you know, even though I've gone in with it now so many times. It's just resonating as such truth within me and seeing that it's all about the state of being that you're holding and seeing that you can consciously cultivate a state of being that you hold that's you know that difference between victim consciousness and being a conscious creator you know the victim life is happening to it you know you're at the mercy of all of it you're always one beat behind the groove and things just happen to you and you have no say in it and then you know you feel sad when this happens you feel happy when this happens all of these different things but when you choose a state of being you're taking ownership of your life. You're stepping into your power. You're saying, I am the creator of my experience and I'm not going to be at the mercy of these outside forces. You know, whether that means the weather is bad or the weather is good, whether that means I'm in Iceland or I'm in Guatemala, whether that means I got loads of money or no money, you know, whatever it is, seeing that you can choose that state of being and it's not always easy, you know, I'm not saying that it's, you know, always super easy to choose that state of being, but I'm saying that it's always an option. And the more that you practice it, the more you develop that muscle, you develop it through practice of choosing your state of being. And it can start with small things, but when you really start diving in with it, it starts to be reflected in all of your life where you can be faced with incredible challenges and still be choosing to hold the vibration of gratitude and of love, kindness and peace. And so the last one he said, number five, go with the soul. So um, he said, yeah, most often you, you respond to whatever is happening in your life, whether it's an illness, a disappointment, a happy surprise or whatever it might be from the logical center of your mind. So that's really, you know, in a way being the victim, but also, you know, you're taking logic into it, but logic is always going to be limited because you can always only take a limited amount of variables into the equation, you know. You can never put up a whole logical system because you can only work with the points of reference that you're holding in mind there. And so what he's saying is your limited human mind can hold only a few points of reference in mind to come to a quote-unquote logical conclusion about the meaning of what you're experiencing. But your soul, which is your connection to all that is, your connection to the quantum field, your connection to God, your connection to the universe and life, holds an infinite amount of knowledge and therefore an infinite amount of reference points that your mind could never be able to put together but your soul knows it and therefore sometimes our soul which is reflected many times in our intuition uh, is telling us and guiding us towards something that 
doesn't seem logical or rational in our mind, but it's coming from a place of wisdom so much deeper than our mind could ever connect to. So going with the soul and not being afraid to follow the calling of your soul where even even when your mind doesn't understand it, you know. He says the soul is the place which everything you know is already integrated and simply awaits the outward expression of that. So that's beautiful. That's very beautiful. So that those were the five keys coming from conversations with God. And I actually have a lot of different keys that come from that book. All of them I've read many times and they've influenced my life in so such powerful and beautiful ways. All right, so I'm going to tune into a different... Um, different topic right here and now and this is some notes that i have from terence mckenna actually and so let's see this is a lecture that he gave called opening the doors of creativity and so uh he has a lot of different ideas that came through in that one of the beautiful ones that he shared here was the prototypic figure for the artist as well as the scientist is the shaman. And so the shaman is really an integrated being that unites both the doctor, the scientist and the artist through caregiving and creativity. And so for those of you that don't know, a shaman is a, a healer or a medicine person uh, that you know in our culture today we've really lost touch with that archetype or that being in our culture even though it's being expressed in many different ways through yeah the doctor and the scientist and the artist and all of the different healers but in the indigenous cultures and the tribal cultures the shaman would be a really the core figure of a tribe where they would be the one to facilitate ceremony and facilitate healing and a lot of the times they were you know very different from the rest of the tribe they would stay alone somewhere uh, and sometimes they would even be the ones that were somehow what shall i say what we classify today as mentally ill or something like this when a child like that would be birthed into a tribal society a lot of the time people will recognize, oh, this is the shaman because this person can see behind the veil. They can exist both in the physical realm but also in the realms beyond. And they can navigate that balance and then share the lessons from that with the people of the tribe. And so the shaman really, you know, is a being that can be in the world but also be outside of it. And a lot of the time the shaman would be the person that would be facilitating medicine ceremonies with, for example, ayahuasca or mushrooms, peyote shamans, all of these different people. And so it's beautiful to see that the shaman really unites all of those caregiving and creative archetypes together into one figure, one central figure. And he said here, the artist is a mystical journeyer 
one who goes into a world unseen by others and then returns to tell of it. Uh, but it was pretty much lost in the post-medieval and Renaissance conception of art up until the late 1800s or early 1900s when the Romantics emerged. So we've seen it in the past that the artist would be, yes, yeah, some people that would journey to planes of consciousness or realms of experience that quote-unquote normal people don't usually get to experience and then they would bring that back into the world and that's why you see a lot of art depicting things that we can't see in this plane of consciousness that most of us are operating on you know transcendental art abstract art um, uh, visionary art all of these things and so they're bridging the gap between those realms that are just as real as this realm and they're making a bridge into this realm where they're showing that, you know, giving almost like a pointing finger towards what's possible. A lot of this is depicted in psychedelic art, which is very beautiful to see from, for example, Alex Gray and some of those visionary artists that really do a beautiful job of depicting those transcendental realms through their painting. But this can also be done through music and really all artistic expression. You know, music that we're hearing now sounds lo nothing like what you could hear in the natural world. You know, all of these synthetic sounds, morphing waves, you know, you can't find it out in nature, but it's pointing a finger towards what's already existent in different planes of experience. So the artist is a mystical journeyer, <laughs> the ones that go out out of the world and then come back with those tales to, you know, tell to the people. And so let me see right here. He also goes in talking about language. And there's a very interesting idea that Terence McKenna shared here in uh, I think it was a lecture called Language About the Unspeakable. And he says here, check this out. <laughs> a child is laying down in its crib and suddenly a bird flies in. For the child, this moving, fluttering thing of light and sound is a miracle that has many dimensions to it. The child's mother then comes into the room and sees what's happening and says, it's a bird. It's a bird. <laughs> what happens then is that this mysterious, irreducible complex of light and motion is changed into a word. And the word is like a little tile and that word is now fixed over the bird and covers the bird. And by the time you're six years old, you've been handed, handed enough of those tiles that everywhere you look... It's seamless tiling. So he's saying that a word is like a tile that you would put over the true reality of, you know, this, in this case, a bird that he says, you know, this is a magical, mysterious complex of light and motion that has so many dimensions to it. When you put a word to it, it is covering up the truth of what it is 
and the word is like a tile that really robs the thing of its intrinsic ambiguity and magic. And so then we pick up all of these words for everything really around us and reality gets built with that because now we're not seeing the mystery and the beauty of all of it, you know, the light and the sounds and the vibrations and the waves of all of it that's always so incredibly magical now we're only seeing concepts of mind you know words and so he says there's a tension and a paradox reality is most itself in the absence of language but it can only be communicated through language then he says language is an enterprise in need of perfection so this is interesting, you know, language, what is that even? Language, you know, is our way of taking reality and putting symbols on it, putting concepts on it. And when, and when we can agree on the meaning of those symbols, we can convey the meaning to each other. You know, let's check this out that he put in here. He put analyzation of normal communication. So he's really going to go in here and say what language really is or communication so a thought in mind that i want to communicate i have that thought in mind and i go into my mind and seek for the culturally validated words for my idea i raise those words to consciousness activate my tongue and soft palate to create an acoustical pressure wave in the air the wave crosses the intervening space between us, enters into your ear, you download this incoming vibration and attempt to match it to a dictionary of vibrations you've learned over your life. And if your dictionary matches my dictionary, you extract from my thought out of this process, you extract my thought out of this process. My thought magically comes into existence in your mind. So this is fascinating. <laughs> this is really wild when you start to really think about language and words and concepts of mind. You know, both words and the acoustical sounds that we accompany them with are inherently abstract you know now i'm talking to you and you understand what i'm saying because these abstract sounds that are coming out of my mouth match a dictionary in your mind of sounds that you've heard over and over and over again in your life you know through the means of the language of english in this moment and from that my thoughts are being placed into your mind and you're experiencing my thoughts, but only a version of them because you can never truly understand the things that I'm trying to say because our dictionaries are never going to be 100% the same. You know, you might interpret this word slightly differently than I interpret it. And this sort of feeling is a little bit different for you than it is for me. But we can get the general idea across. And, you know, some of us are better than others at clearly communicating our thoughts so that people can relate and understand to them but realizing how abstract these sounds are you know i'm saying i'm making small mouth noises 
here with my tongue and my mouth and they're creating frequencies that literally vibrate the air molecules and you know another layer to it is that they're hitting this microphone in front of me that's being transformed into an electrical signal through the vibration that the microphone picks up the electrical signal is turned into binary code of ones and zeros that my computer is recording that is then being sent out through the internet which i won't even begin to claim that i understand in any way <laughs> to your headphone or your phone or whatever you're listening to this on which is replicating the frequencies that my mouth created at the time of this recording and it's replicating those frequencies to vibrate in your field right now and you hear it almost identical to my voice <laughs> and can extract my thoughts and the meaning of them from that process that's wild no <laughs> um, but language doesn't have to be only auditory that's also something that's very interesting because we can communicate meaning and communicate thoughts and ideas also visually and visual languages Terence McKenna at least said have a diminished ambiguity because visual languages are not dependent on culturally validated simple systems which means you know it doesn't matter if we speak the same language or not we can look at the same painting and both extract some form of meaning from that and there maybe also comes the saying of i see what you mean and so language is a behavior in human beings that has not yet completely unfolded developmentally psychedelics make language a less auditory and more visual enterprise so that's very interesting language hasn't developed fully yet it's a enterprise in need of perfection it's still missing a lot you know it's still very primitive really you know we've been using it for a very small amount of time relatively to how long human beings have existed you know and we're really only beginning to see the power of language and what we can do with it you know it's really crazy that we managed to stumble upon this or create this or find this way of communication that no other animal on this planet seems to be utilizing to the same extent that we are and where it's going to go is going to be very interesting we're seeing now an interesting evolution through memes and social media and you know emojis and all of this sort of stuff where we're starting to communicate using both pictures and words simultaneously and who knows where it's all gonna lead man who knows <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy so shamans in all times and places gain their power through relationships with helping spirits their acquisition of a relationship to a disincarnate intelligence is a precondition for authentic shamanism the ego is connected to science and rationalism 
And then that which can't be named, that which language cannot even describe, is magic and art. And so the shaman is interesting because he can utilize the power of language, but most of what he does cannot be grasped by language. And this really relates to the psychedelic experience in many ways as well, because most of what goes on in the psychedelic realms and what you experience in those states of awareness is something that when you try to put concepts of language on it, it really falls flat over itself right away because in its nature, it's it exists within a domain beyond rational understanding. And language, even though it's incredibly beautiful and powerful, is still very limited, you know. It's, it's only a fraction of our experience that can be put into language. And realizing still that those things that can't be talked about are still as real as the things that can be talked about, you know. Even though you can't speak about it, it doesn't make it real because what's really real is our experience. You know, that's what life really is. If you're experiencing it, it it's got to be real, you know. But, you know, of course you can argue what really is real and you can experience things that aren't real, but you can... I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, nothing is any realer than you're experiencing it to be. And even though it might not be universally true... If you're holding it as a belief and you're experiencing it in it, you're experiencing it in your reality, it's showing up as real for you. That doesn't mean it's true, but it's real. And the deeper you start to dive into this, you start to realize that nothing really is ultimately true. It's only true given a certain perspective. <clears throat> That reminds me of something that I actually wrote down that I want to share with you here. And it's a little piece of text that I wrote that's called The Prism of Perspective. And the prism of perspective is this. Everything is only as real as you believe it to be. That which is real in our immediate experience and our... No, wait. Let me start again. <laughs> the prism of perspective. Everything is only as real as you believe it to be. That which is real is our immediate experience. And our experience depends on the perspective we are taking in any given moment. One perspective is never any realer than another except for when it is being immediately experienced by an aware observer or an experiencer. When being experienced, your perspective becomes your reality. It is only when we broaden our awareness that we realize that we have the power to hold multiple perspectives within our field of awareness and therefore recognize the relativity of each and every perspective. In that, we may also realize that we have the creative power to choose and create our own perspective. This can be hard at first, given that the world around you seems to try very hard 
to only keep you looking through the lens of a certain perspective. But with practice, you come to an understanding that you are not subject to that. You can choose not to buy into the stories that make up that perspective and rather choose your own. The lenses we can use to view the world are always made up of a set of beliefs and stories which we have to believe in. We built up a structure with those stories and beliefs which serves as a prism which we then look at the world through. Looking through these prisms will always leave us with a limited experience of the world, just as when we shine pure light through a prism, we limit it and create an illusion of separation. What was pure light has now been divided into appearingly separate colors. It's only when we let go of the stories and beliefs that we can start to experience the world for what it truly is. And when we let go, we move from our limited objective experience towards the true essence of life. The ultimate truth of life is unlimited and pure. It can be incredible to experience that truth, but when we completely rid our get rid of our prism of perspective we also lose all objective experience therefore it can bring great enjoyment to take responsibility for the creation and sustenance of our own perspective Um, we can choose to create a prism that filters out all negativity and leaves behind only that which serves us Our prism can condense the ultimate bright light down into an incredibly beautiful expression of love and life. We can set it up in such a way that our perspective creates a magnificent experience of life filled with joy, creativity, connection and peace. We can then enjoy that experience while still knowing it to only be a relative expression of the ultimate truth which in its essence has no limitation. Limitations are necessary for experience because they create a container and boundaries for relationship to be had. Relationship and experience can only be had when there is a perceived other. I have to experience me and you as separate in order to form a relationship with you and the same applies for all things in creation. We create an illusion of separation in order to give ourselves an opportunity to experience the world, but the truth that resides behind it all is one of complete unity and oneness. The truth that resides behind it all is one of complete unity and oneness. I feel like those are great words to end this episode. I only touched on a few of the infinite notes and ideas which I have jotted down in these journals but I feel like these were some very potent and powerful ideas and concepts that really have assisted me tremendously on the path of gaining perspective and stepping into my role as a conscious being and as a conscious creator of my life experience and a good rule of thumb for choosing beliefs or choosing a perspective in your life is simply seeing that if those beliefs or that perspective empowers you then continue pursuing them and building on them but if they're devitalizing you or 
or making you feel small or making you feel bad, then maybe you need to rethink the beliefs that you're holding or the perspective that you're taking. So, with that being said, I send you loads and loads and loads of love. I pray that you might find peace in your heart, that creativity flows into your life effortlessly. I pray that you can find deep connection to yourself, find love for yourself, find love for the people around you, for the planet, for nature, for the earth. Ah, seeing that all is well, everything is unfolding the way it's supposed to, it's all blessings, all of its blessings. So, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I'm deeply grateful for you listening to this. I hope that it can bring some light into your life. I hope that it can assist you. Just know that you can always reach out to me if there's anything that you're going through, if there's anything that you're dealing with, if you need to share with someone, both the ups or the downs. You know you can reach out to me. I'm here. I support you. I'm rooting for you. Life is rooting for you. The universe is rooting for you. Everything is co-inspiring to work with you. Work with you to bring love and light into your life. Working to manifest your highest vision. And even though we don't understand it always with our rational minds, our souls are leading us to that true purpose, to our true unique and authentic expression so trusting in that guidance trusting in our intuition trusting that knowing of our heart that can't always be rationalized with the mind but can be felt so deeply inside may you be blessed may you be healed may you be loved thank you so much peace <laughs>